Welcome to the Motherhood Village Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez-Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox, and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with a very special guest. I have Miss Lenora Edwards, who is an ASHA board certified speech language pathologist. Since obtaining her CCCs in 2010, she has worked with individuals of all ages, from little ones who are learning to understand and express themselves to adults who want to improve their speaking skills and become a more fluent and effective communicator. Lenora loves to teach and educates others. So if you have questions, please don't hesitate to ask. Better Speech is an online speech therapy company that Lenora works for that has been providing professional, affordable, and convenient speech therapy services for more than a decade. All the speech language pathologists with Better Speech are board certified and state licensed, which allows them to provide online speech therapy services nationwide and internationally. Lenora, it's great to have you. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. I'm so excited to be here with you and spend time together. Yes, same here. I know. I think we've been engaging back and forth for a while, so it's good to see you and put a fa- put a face to the name. So let's dive in. What is your favorite book or podcast? Um, and I always like to ask this question because it's all about education, right? Providing resources. So what is a favorite book of yours or podcast that you would like to recommend? Uh, favorite podcast, in addition to yours, absolutely, oh, is, is one that I'm a huge fan of. Um, Mel Robbins, I absolutely love her podcast from a, a strong mental positive mindset and just very, I find it very clear and it offers amazing information. I agree. I love her. How has motherhood mm-hmm. transformed you? I actually, I found, um, my maternal instincts are in a different way. I actually don't have children oh, of my, oh my own, God, but I, I do. Did. I'm so sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Um, I do find that I have a lot of protective energy and that I do find new ideas and new creative ways to, to birth in ideas and things that come forth. So I find that my work has actually intertwined over my life. My varied interests continue to blend and weave together. And that's how I, I approach my 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 path as I, I like to call it I love that and that is so beautifully said and usually I guess when I'm going through a person's intake form I assume that right but I know you're still in the space of supporting parents and supporting and offering those resources Absolutely. so I usually ask and say that it takes a village to uplift a mother but I want to ask you who and what has been a part of your village to get you to where you're at today I think truly learning from other people and Every person that we encounter can be a teacher and can be a guiding hand along that way because it really does take a village and that village doesn't stop when they're 18. We're still taking care of ourselves and learning to evolve and to grow and to be the best that we can be. So I love learning from other people wherever I can. And even if it's in a less than positive experience, what can I still take away from it? And taking that and carrying that forward. Oh, I love that. So let's jump into the conversation. Tell me your journey into becoming an ASHA board certified speech language pathologist and what that means. You know, you, we add these big terms, what that means to be ASHA board certified. Um, yeah. Tell me about your journey into making that a profession. 
Absolutely. So I actually started out in a nursing program when I was 18 years old. I went to undergrad and it turns out, and I love nurses, they're very near and dear in my heart and, and they're in my family. It just wasn't for me. And I actually found a way to continue on with that education because I love the science and I love the studying from that standpoint. But I'm very, I really enjoy communicating with people. And I actually went over to the other department that I had started studying in. I started studying sign language. And from there, that my knowledge of the field actually grew and grew. And when I had gone to school, I did not start out in that program. So my program ended up being four years undergrad and two years in in postgraduate work. Now, sometimes a lot of the programs are five years. So it's nice financially to go through in five years, but I did carry on to get my master's. And ASHA, we refer to it as ASHA. It is the American Speech, Language, and Hearing Association. And then after our initials, you'll often see that you'll see CCC, SLP. And what CCC is Certificate of Clinical Competence and Speech Language Pathologist. And our field is quite large, we're often referred to as speech therapists and people will say, oh, well, my speech is fine. But truly in our field, we work from the neck and up and we see a massive variety in the realm of swallowing, but in the realm of cognitive difficulties and and in neurological difficulties. And we see little ones all the way from being in the NICU and we see older ones all the way in skilled nursing settings. Wow. So, and I love when I have these conversations because then other questions arise. I'm like, Oh, so a lot of times in the mom groups I'm a part of, you will see like, Oh, I need a speech pathologist. I need someone, we need speech therapy, maybe list some misconceptions of what it's not or what people believe it is. And then, um, specifics. I know you you mentioned some things of kind of the neurologic aspect and which I think is so fascinating, but I guess, yeah, talk about the misconceptions that people have when they think of it. And I guess to the point is like, Oh, they just think you're fixing my speech or he can't pronunciate or what that is. So dive a little bit deeper into that. Absolutely. And those are great questions. Misconceptions are that we only work with speech intelligibility. So speech, everything that I'm doing right now, the clarity of my speech, the fluency, we refer to that as our speech component. Also with the voice, that's a speech component. But then language. Language is a completely different ballgame. Everything that language is actually two parts. So everything that you are doing, your listeners are doing is a receptive component of language. It's the understanding of language. Everything that I'm actually doing right now is the expressive component. How I'm using my words, the structure of grammar, the structure of the sentences, the tone that I'm using. That is all expressive language. And language development truly starts in the womb. And it's really important that children grow up in what we refer to as a language-rich environment, where they're hearing different conversations, they're hearing different voices, they're being talked with, not just talked to, but you're having that back and forth. Because this turn-taking as we're having a conversation is also an aspect of language. And then from, from little ones, I mentioned earlier that we see little ones for swallowing. So right now I work with an online speech therapy company and the company is called Better Speech. That being said, we are over 150 speech therapists strong and each therapist has over 10 years experience. So me specifically, I've had a, a career in working in the NICU and in the PICU and working with little ones on their 
swallowing skills. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when they're born, they might not have the oral skill set to safely consume nutrition. Or when your your toddler is developing, but if there's developmental delays, they might not have the oral skills to quite literally chew appropriately. So we do see people first swallowing. And that is also a component when we get into adults. Some adults might have difficulty chewing or swallowing. Some adults might have difficulty expressing their wants and their needs and effectively communicating. So individuals who may be experiencing Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or stroke, whatever the case may be, we also see them for those cognitive components and swallowing as well. Wow. So tell me, what's the difference between that? And is it also with like lip ties? You know, when you hear people say lip ties, like my baby mm-hmm. has a lip tie. So tell me, mm-hmm. tell me, is that a correlation with that? Absolutely. So if there, if you hear, if you hear somebody say, my baby has a lip tie or a tongue tie, what they're looking at, especially when it comes to a lip tie or a tongue tie, it can impair their ability to safely consume nutrition or effectively consume nutrition. So if there's a tongue tie and that tongue cannot have this needed back and forth movement or if there's a lip tie, it could make latching onto the nipple more difficult and much more exhausting for that little one while they're eating. So that ties into something that you would do and look at and say, okay, how do we develop it? Mm-hmm. Now you said the NICU, goodness gracious. I had, um, uh, uh, I forget the, um, the doctor's name that deals with a neonatal, neonatal um, mm-hmm. doctor. Um, and actually Ben here, who um, is our engineer, he said his mom um, was actually worked in the NICU as well. Um, and it was a whole different story, right? Of just hearing those of stories and I couldn't even imagine. So tell me with your experience working there, what does that take? Cause these babies are so small. How do do you work with them? Do you, is it massaging? Like, just speak slightly of what that looks like for someone who's listening that might have to deal with this or has, to, you know, explain that. Completely. And for little ones in the NICU, and I think, you know, for people that work in these, these environments, nurses, medical staff of any sort, physicians, you truly have to have a very strong emotional heart because it is a high intense situation yes. and they are very, very fragile. So for little ones, sometimes if they're if they're needing additional oxygen support and they actually are just needing an additional support, whether it's it's not necessarily through their mouth, but they might also be needing that oral motor massage, that facial massage, or actually latching onto a pacifier and maintaining that rhythm of holding that pacifier to practice when they actually do receive nutrition, it is a skill set and they do to have that feel, to have that tongue movement, to have that breath coordination. It is a skill set that needs to develop if it's not there to begin with. Initially, our, our response, we are born with the ability to swallow. It's not a trained response. We need to make sure that they can safely nutrition. Oh my God, I'm listening to this. I'm like all the little things that we take for granted, right? That we don't think are the miracle of, you know, not having a child with a disability or having that. And then, you know, motherhood is hard enough, but then when you add that extra mm-hmm. layer, goodness gracious. Um, so mm-hmm. tell me, I know you mentioned the importance of, of communication from the womb. Um, give examples of like what parents can do that are listening to this. Cause they might be like, wait a minute, that's silly. And who do I talk? I know one thing I'll give credit. I'm um, not one thing. My husband has credit for multiple 
multiple things, but a big thing that we talked about from early on was that we were going to talk to our son as if he was a little adult and we were going to use, and let me tell you that little boy, he's five and yes, he can have full conversations. And he's like, mommy, that was not responsible. And the verbiage. Um, and I mean, that we were very conscious of that very early on. So speak to someone listening to this. What does that mean talking to our children in the womb and what are examples that we can do? So when, uh, and people tell me that they're pregnant, I'm like, congratulations, start talking. And the reason is because even in the womb, and there's so much that our field for advanced, as, as advanced as our field is, there is still so much that we don't know about the mind and the body. And it's absolutely incredible. When they're in the womb, they're understanding information, as in that mind and body that's growing is obtaining information. So it's important to keep talking to them, but it's also important to convey in a loving energy, in a loving way to help strengthen that system. That is an actual thing that we need. We actually need that loving affection. It helps us grow stronger. But with a language component, love is a language. We have the language of right now I'm using words, but I'm also using my face. My, my facial expressions, that's a language. So once they're actually in the world and that blessed day arrives, <laughs> to talk with them face to face because there's so much information. I have facial expressions. I have body language. I have the tonality. You can tell when I'm really angry and you can tell when I'm really soft. Those are all components of language. And as that mind and body are growing, neuropathways are going very, very quickly. And it's truly important that we are aware of that and that we're respectful of that and that we are offering language-rich environments to our children, whether you want to talk to them as a little adult or you want to read them a book. The important thing is that you're having that ongoing piece of information. And to point out, if people say, you know, well, the television's on mm. and the television may be on or the radio may be on. And it is language, but there's not a lot of context to it. And it's very passive for language to continue to develop, especially when we have little ones. We often, before their verbal skills arrive, we're giving them a voice and we're going back and forth with what they may say or how they may act. And, oh, you probably think mommy's so, so funny. And you're giving that tonality to it. You're giving that engagement, that socialization. We're social to begin with. So it's truly important to really engage our children in conversation, in language, in play, in development. There's so much going on at that those early, early years. No, I agree. Um, what are some signs then on the flip side um, for a parent maybe to think of some speech or language delays? What are things to look for? Like I said, in all the mommy groups, I see it a lot. Um, so yeah, t talk about that. What are some signs that parents should look for, early signs? Early signs would be eye contact. Is your baby tracking you? Is your baby, you know, even as early as three, four, or five months, they're looking at you as you're talking. And when they start to hear other sounds, they're starting to what we refer to as localize. They will turn their head in response to that sound. Or when a familiar person comes home, and they hear that voice, they know that that's recognition that they are, that the person coming in is familiar, that they know who they are. These are indicators, what we refer to as nonverbal indicators, that they're understanding language. Also, they're effectively communicating. 
So when your baby has, and, and parents often say, oh, no, that's not that cry. That's this cry. Yes. It's because that baby has now learned, this makes me feel like this. I, and this is how I respond. But also when I want this, they come running and they will be able to fulfill my want or my needs. So that is a pre-verbal skill that they're developing. And those are really, really good things. They're coos, they're vocal play. Ah, that's a really good thing. Those are all indicators of strong language development, but also the intent to communicate. Those are great things. And we'll often hear, um, you know, my baby's not talking yet. And it's like, okay, well, hold on. What does that look like? Because you're not talking is different than somebody else is not talking and it's different than somebody else is not talking. So let's, let's be specific. Typically by the first birthday, you'll start to hear the first word. And a good rule of thumb is when you're old, one word vocabulary. They're not usually going to be blending two to three word combinations sure. at one year old. Two years old, they're going to start bringing those two words together. So at one year old, it might be juice for juice. And at two years old, it might be more juice. And that's their attempt at more juice. And it might not be crystal clear, but it's still attempting and effectively communicating. They're indicating to you that they know what they want. They know that they've properly labeled it and that they're requesting it from you. So that's sure. a really good thing. And that's really also a really complex thing. And then how can um, parents, so once the baby's out of the womb, then how can parents incorporate the language building skills into everyday play? Let's say they do see, maybe it's not yet to bring in a professional, but maybe they're like, okay, how can we start building vocabulary? What are some things that they can do as the child starts getting older? That's a great question. So. They, they're out in the world and they're, they're here, they're playing with us to start talking about everything that you're doing. And we call it narrating. We call it sports casting, but talk to them. When you pick them up out of the crib, I'm going to pick you up out of the crib and I'm going to lay you down on the changing table and we're going to change your diaper. Explain to them what you're doing, why you're doing it, where you're going, what time of day it is. Talk about the language and the things that you're seeing because Babies come in as a completely blank slate. They have no sure. language skills. They don't know anything. It's up to us as the parents and the guardians of those children to explain this entire world to them. And it's truly important that it happens in those early years because that brain and body are developing. And it's truly, truly, truly important to have them in a language-rich environment because this is development that you can't get back in the sense of you cannot repeat that two-year brain sure. path. By the time that gets to three, that brain isn't going to shrink back down to two to get back up to three. That's why it's really important they're growing and you can't reverse that. That being said, if there is a delay, you can absolutely have intervention and that's where speech therapy comes in gotcha. or whatever therapy may be. Sure. And then I'm sure reading books, right? That's a big one. I mean, we've been reading from, Definitely. Know, that's a continuation, right? I remember when he yeah. was wanting to read the same book, but I would see online that they're like, no, that's good. Let them keep the repetition, the repetition. Um, mm -hmm. The moms out there listening, I think sometimes we get overwhelmed, like, oh, here's another thing we have to do. But I think you, you framed it so well, Lenora, to say, just narrate everything you're already doing. So just talk. It's not an additional thing. Just say, hey, we're going to the store and just converse mm -hmm. like they're little adults right? absolutely and then to even we're going to the store or mommy's thinking this daddy's cutting up vegetables and just talk to them as or to, or if you're talking to yourself talk out loud sure and absolutely reading is a great component singing songs is a great component our brains love melody 
This is why we can remember the song from the 90s, like no problem. Yes. It really enjoys melody. So to just naturally incorporate it, it's not something else that you have to sit down and do. You're already talking to yourself. Exactly. Talk out loud. Exactly. Don't get distressed of thinking like, here's another thing. It's just an addition mm-hmm. to. Um, yeah. you know, I know you mentioned that there's so many different levels and I, I think this is an important question. How does communication correlate to behavior? What do you see? Absolutely. Talk, talk about that. So when it comes to communication, we are naturally desi- designed to communicate. We want to communicate. This is innate in us. We're born with it. When we can't communicate, it becomes very frustrating. The, the behaviors that we see are, especially in little ones, when they want to communicate, but they don't have the vocabulary or they don't know how and it's not working and the things that they were doing before aren't getting the message across, you will see behaviors. They can become very upset, crying. They might even start hitting at some point. But those are behaviors indicating I have a want, I have a need, it's not getting filled and I need help. Mm-hmm. Understood. And that makes so much sense. So that's going to pivot into towards my, let's talk about power struggles. How can mm-hmm. parents lessen the power struggle with their littles and young adults? And how can they help to give kids their options, choices, the power control to reduce the power struggle when it comes to communication and language? Absolutely. Those are great questions, especially for, for little ones when they don't, when they're really little, like two, one, two, three years old, we're telling them all day long what to do, where to go, how to behave, and what we, is expected of them. It, we're teaching them. That's, that makes sense. But at the same time, we want power. We want the power to choose. And that is very, 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 very normal. When children have the opportunity to choose, they love it. So you can always do something silly. You can have two identical yellow cups. You want this yellow cup or this yellow cup? And let them choose. Mm-hmm. They're choosing a cup anyway. You want this fork or this fork? They're choosing. They're going to be eating anyway. Let them make those decisions because what they get to do in that moment, they go, oh, I'm heard. Mm-hmm. I matter. And it's so important to them because they then get to choose when it comes to, do you want to have this bite first or this bite first? They're going to have the bite. They get to choose which bike they're going to have first. Sure. So it can be just as little as something like that and offering those opportunities for them to have that power and to have that control. That's a good thing. Um, when it comes to, especially when it comes to tweens and teenagers, what, uh, what we're seeing is a lot of, I don't know, or we're hearing, yeah, that was fine. And they're not giving us a lot of depth, a lot of content. So. This is, this can go two ways. So if you find that your, your tween, your teenager isn't really sharing a lot with you, there may be something else going on. So for example, if you say, Oh, you know, how was the movie? What did you like best about it? And they can't tell you what happened in the movie or, Oh, what game are you playing? Tell me about it. And they can't tell you what they're actually doing. And they're brushing it off as a, yeah, I don't know. It was okay. If they're giving you those filler words, they might not actually know what you're asking of them. So it's really important to notice if there's a pattern, especially when it comes to recalling movies or recalling games, recalling things in school. We want to be able to know that they have a beginning to that movie, a middle to that storyline, and an end to that storyline. And that's really important. That's a sequencing component. So what we're seeing in in teenagers or 
not it's nothing new that we're seeing, but this is something that we do see is that they don't have the ability to clearly communicate yeah. their answers to WH questions. So what they're learning, they don't know how to actually respond. So that is a red flag in development. If you're concerned, if your child isn't retaining information, if they're having trouble answering questions, if they're not able to read a story and tell you about the characters of that story, those are red flags. Now, when it comes to a power struggle with your your tween who may not be wanting to talk to you that day, allow them to have the choice of, okay, if you don't want to talk right now, that's okay. They're having a completely different chemical hormonal response going on. So when you're in that power struggle to do your best to remember that and that it may not be personally directed to you, they might be upset from school. Also, to help you gain control over that moment, and this is a great technique for anybody who isn't in any sort of disagreement, first two things to do, change your breathing and change your posture. Mm. Next, change your tone of voice. When you start to feel that energy rise, that anger rise, that, oh, sorry, this person's starting to tax me. Mm -hmm. When you feel that coming up, that's okay. Take a breath, change your posture, really reset your body, but also change your tone. Mm -hmm. When you can slow down your speech, when you can change your tone and become more intentional with your words, you have more control over the situation. Mm -hmm. and. You will then have, because you got control, their system will also align with your system. And that is actual neuro rewiring. Wow. And that, I'm sure we could have a whole conversation about, about that, but it makes sense because what you've just in essence done is you've kind of lessened whatever I don't, necessary animosity, but that, that like mm-hmm. we're, we're getting there and you kind of have taken back control and they're like, okay, well maybe I don't need to be so defensive because I see that this person has kind of limited. So let, let me back down and let's whatever. And that's a really important tool mm-hmm. for anyone listening. I know moms struggle a lot with the mom rage. Listen, I get that. Um, sometimes yeah. even now, and I have to look and like, why am I so like frazzled right now? But we have 20 million thoughts with our partners. So whether you have kids or not, it's super important what you just explained because it kind of changes the whole trajectory now of hopefully that conversation, right? To show, look, I'm not here as your enemy. Like, let's let's figure out a solution here. I love that. What are the benefits of teletherapy services and the other services that you provide at Better Speech? Why don't we talk about that? Absolutely. So with teletherapy and what I'm, I'm so incredibly proud of with Better Speech is, I don't know if you've ever rolled over at 2 a.m. and have thoughts about your child's language development going, oh, my God, okay, is this normal? And then you bravely decide to Google search something and the the rabbit hole of who, who knows what opens up. What I love with Better Speech is you have the ability to get in touch with a speech language pathologist as early as the next business day. Wow. So if you have questions about your child's language development, we offer a free consultation where we will do our very best to answer any and all of your questions. Now, that being said, we can get you set up as early as the next day if you would like speech therapy services. Whereas if you went to the school right now or if you went to an outpatient clinic, they'll say, okay, great, we have about a six-month wait list (laughs) or it'll be three months before we can get an evaluation. And that can be really, really hard. Now, especially if you have a two-year-old, who's already frustrated, their language development just quite isn't there. You, you're instinctively knowing something's quite off and you have questions and you would like them addressed. We're there for you. But also, 
when you go to an outpatient clinic, and at least in the state that I am in, they're still separating parent and guardian or parent guardian from child and clinician. So as that child is in the room, you now have them in a new environment with somebody new and their parent or guardian isn't there. And there may be a mask involved, at least in the state that I'm in, there's still a mask involved with some sort of shield of some sort. And that can really add to the stress. And then we're going to say, do your best. Yeah. And it's not necessarily in that most supported space. Whereas with better speech, we're already in the most comfortable place that you could possibly have. We're right there in your home. We're online. We've been online since long before the pandemic. So we're very comfortable with Zoom. Yeah. But we already have the platform of games. We already have the knowledge of how to engage children in teletherapy. And we are right there with you on your schedule. And I absolutely love that. So as a clinician, I am licensed mm-hmm. by ASHA, but I'm also licensed in five to practice in five states. So that lets me work with families in Colorado. That lets me work with families in Florida. Nice. And I live nowhere near that. So it's mm-hmm. truly a great thing to be able to provide therapy services to people that may not have a, a clinic of any sort or have the option of a clinic of any sort or school services. So I really, really am proud to be able to provide those teletherapy services. And we work not only with children, we work with people of all ages. So I I have an adult client who is disfluent and we work together. But I also have a Parkinson's client who is 80 and lives at home. So the fact that we can use technology in such a great way is something that we are incredibly proud of. No, a hundred percent. I love that. And I love how you said when you're like, yeah, imagine bringing your little one in. I'm like, hey, that's a recipy for disaster. I don't know how you even did that before. Like I couldn't eat. My son would look at me like, you want to leave me where? No, it's not happening. You probably throw a, you know, a fit because yeah, you're taking them out of their comfort zone. So how, of course, mm-hmm. then even then it's even heightened. Um, So I love that the internet has provided that. And I love the fact that you are licensed in Florida. So now I know where to send people. Cause like I said, in these groups, I see it where they're like, you know, the wait list. I actually saw a lot that were some mm-hmm. wait listed things. So that's awesome oh, yeah. um, that we connected. Yeah. I, I like to ask, um, I always like to ask this question to my guests. Um, you seem like a very mindful person, love your energy. How do you release and reset and recharge? Like, what do you do for yourself? How do you kind of, like you said, you work with NICU patients, like there's a lot, I'm sure you see a lot from eight, you know, your patience level, you know, has to be, what do you do for yourself? How do you release? How do you reset? How do you recharge? I take it as a daily practice. And I do my best to really be aware of it. So I'm somebody who is very, I, I turn into a pumpkin at 830 at night and I'm tired. I'm ready for bed and I am powering down <laughs> and I wake up at 430 in the morning because wow. I have a routine. I like to stick to my routines because they help me be respectful of my body, yes. of my own energy, and also how to best take care of myself so that I can show up for the people that are in my life, my clients, my family, my friends. That's truly what's important to me. So that's how I like to rest and relax. How that. about you? What's your favorite way? Oh gosh, no one asked me. I think it's interesting. I think I'm still learning um, what that is, as, you know, being an entrepreneur in my businesses and, and kind of finding mm-hmm. what that what that is. But for me, I love to go outside walking since the pandemic. I remember I was like, I didn't even know we had this beautiful neighborhood because I was always work and home and back and forth and jumping in the car, right? I wasn't home. So when we had to shut down, it really was like this, like, oh, we have this beautiful neighborhood and 
I didn't realize how many birds we had and just like opening up a whole new level. So for me, awareness. Um, awareness was key of that. So going outside, walking, working in nature, and I like alone time. You know, I like to mm-hmm. to have that alone time. But I love what you said about consistency. And I think that's something that I wanted to do for myself this year is to just be more consistent with myself, right? I'm consistent with my husband, my son and businesses and all the things. But for myself, I'm like, yeah, I'll just get up. You know, it's like I'm, I'm trying to build a more consistent consistent schedule. Um, but being outside helps. I love going for my walks. It just re-energizes me on a whole different level. Truly going outside is awesome. It is. And listening to podcasts. I've, um, the Mel Robbins and I love, I'm just trying to surround myself with those positive nuggets, which I think are also key. There's a lot of things on social media, as much as it's a blessing that I had to unfollow because I was like, Oh no, I can't. Um, so I just try and also surround myself with like positive things, things that I can learn from and grow from. So thank you. I appreciate you asking me that. So how can people connect with you? Uh, you can visit us. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So you can visit us at betterspeech.com and we are actually we are in every state and we're also international. So we're, we're quite, quite the fleet, which is pretty awesome. So if you visit betterspeech.com, we're there. And all the social media links, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, we're on them all. Awesome. Any final thoughts to the podcast community? Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure talking with you, Nicole. Thank you so much, Lenora. It was a pleasure as well. And continued blessings to you for love and light. I appreciate you. Thank you right back at you thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the motherhood village podcast subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode you may also rate and review on apple podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their motherhood village remember your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com blessings to you for love and light